Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here. It is April 19th. Got a podcast. It's happening. It's right now. There's one guy who made this happen. Besides me, you know, setting up the page and and the podcast and running the equipment and all that stuff. But he is the eccentric millionaire, Jimmy Van. Jimmy, our show's done pretty well the last couple of weeks, would you say? Are you telling me that you're putting yourself over and we're only like 10 seconds into this podcast? You're already putting yourself over. Are, Are you more surprised that I did it or that it took me 10 seconds to do it? I'm a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit of both, a little bit of both. We literally were just talking off the air about lighting and about how, you know, you look a little dark, you need proper lighting. Next thing I know, the guy comes on here and he's putting himself over about what a, what a, what a stud he is. Good for you, Sean. Good for you, bud. That way, you know, congrats to our, our contributor, Mike Straw. He's having a kid. He's in our chat right now. Is he having a kid as well? He's having a kid. Did he just fire all these people with kids? They're not going to be able to do any work. Did he just announce it? Uh, he announced it on Twitter earlier. Like just today? Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. Mine's due in about a month and a half. So, Damn. Yep, things are happening, man. And I got to tell you, I feel like I've really accomplished something this week. Like I've really accomplished something this week, man. Yeah, why is that? I got you on two, uh, two different occasions to admit that you were wrong. <laughs> to admit that you were wrong and I was right twice in one week. You and did. For me, that's a major accomplishment. So Sean and I were talking about how... Uh, uh, our little, our little thing here, our little fightful. This is the behind the scenes that I always tout. Right here you go. <laughs> so our our little show is doing quite well, and fightful as a whole is doing pretty well. Uh, and we were talking about that. I had been on Sean that I wanted him to remove uh, our Twitter feed from his personal Twitter because a lot of I thought it was too much. You're going on to Twitter, you're getting the same story three times. Sean, because Sean is a little bit of a diva was pretty adamant. I have a lot of followers. It's a mistake. You shouldn't take off my Twitter. And that's when I had to uh, lay the hammer down and say, you're taking it off your Twitter. And what did you tell me, Sean? You said, I first off, that, that is not true. I've, I finally volunteered. Ah, it was going to get done because I was going to make sure it got done. But what happened? You said I was right. You were wrong. Didn't make a difference. Well, first off, I came to you and I said, you know what? Let's do it. Let's see how it works. And it works just fine. Now, I did say, you know what? I have more followers than all three of our accounts combined. But if it works, it works. I can go through and manually retweet some of this stuff, and it isn't exactly. so bad. And the other one – about- I, I, I was concerned about the social media engagement because a lot of times – and I don't want to sound like a diva. Sometimes <laughs> the blue check mark matters in some of that shit. Like sometimes if you see that, people will – be more inclined to retweet it. But our traffic numbers are doing just fine. So I told you uh, on Monday, I said, if you would actually just shut up for a change and listen to my brilliance. <laughs> you did say that. I did say that. Things will happen if you actually will just shut up and listen. 
And keep uh, in mind, Monday was a very slow news day, so I was able to take off for about uh, maybe an hour or two. And uh, we had we were having some some landscaping done at our house, and one of does which that, is that means, does that mean somebody mowed the lawn? No. Yeah, somebody did mow the lawn, but <laughs> they they moved a bunch of old landscaping rocks that we had. So I was I had to take these rocks, thousands of pounds of rocks, I'm sure, and move them to a place where you know they could they 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 fit a little more appropriately. So in the midst of this, I'm like, you know what? It's a beautiful day. I'll say, Jimmy, you're right. <laughs> and, and and you know what? In saying that you were right. I became wrong a second time because I never should have said it. Actually, that would be three times because the other time was the Vince Russo thing. So, so but, technically, oh, yeah, it's, yeah, that's true. Technically, well, there's three. About that. Should we talk about the Russo thing? I mean, fuck it. Let's talk about it. So, uh, when I mean, it's uh, nothing, nothing negative to him. It's but, nothing, I, mean, I guess, too negative. So when when Russo uh, wanted to stop talking about wrestling on his podcast, Sean was adamant it's going to work. He's he's got a following and he's got a personality, and I was adamant it's never going to work. His listeners want to listen to wrestling. They don't give a shit about what he thinks about, you know, the basketball game last night. Uh, and now uh, you told me that he's back doing wrestling again. So that was, that was the second you saying, Jimmy, you were right. And I feel a glow when I hear that from you, Sean. I do. I feel a glow, man. You know, I've accomplished well, Hey, something. you know, I, was, I, I didn't know how you'd be on the air with us doing a podcast. And as it turns out, it's probably the best podcast I do every week. So. Okay, that was going to be my next point on, on – uh, let, me, let me hold this up for a second on the list of Jimmy Van. My next yeah. point was going to be that I saw some of the rock uh, podcast on Monday and you made a comment about this show and you said, I didn't know what this was going to be like. So my, my, my question for I you didn't. was, what did you think when I told you I'm going to start doing this uh, on Wednesdays where you like, Oh, this is going to be a shit show and I can't do anything about it because well, it pays my, my bills. It wasn't that I didn't know what to think. I mean, I did a show with, with Raj at wrestling Inc and you know, he was my boss there. Right. And sometimes when we were on the show, he could be hit or miss. Sometimes he'd have to work on stories while we were doing the podcast. I've done podcasts with bosses at other places, and they've been downright shit, to be honest. Uh, so what do you I mean? Uh, what's the comparison? Where do you rank me in comparison? Uh, you could just say it because everybody knows. You could just say ain't it. Ain't nothing wrong with bronze. <laughs> is that right? Ain't nothing wrong with bronze, right? the bronze medal. Ain't nothing no, wrong with second place. No, I, I think I probably have better chemistry with you than anybody I've ever done a podcast with. And that's saying a lot because myself and Vince Russo had some fantastic chemistry on our podcasts. I think the reason that we have chemistry is because I'm able to get you to be polite. Because <laughs> you, I'm polite in general. I turn it up for the podcast. Yeah, Jimmy. but you, you have a certain power over other people that you do the show with. But you know that the buck stops with me. And if you piss me off, I'm going to forget when payday is. And I think you know that. <laughs> I don't think you'll forget when payday is. I actually, actually you know what, man? John Morehouse, our boy John Morehouse said, yep. you know what I can appreciate? How quickly Jimmy pays me. Would you believe last Friday was a holiday in Canada? It was uh, uh, Easter Friday or, or what do they call it? Uh, I forget what the actual term is. Good Friday. Good Friday. There you go. And I actually came into the office on Friday just to pay you guys. I did. Hey, I appreciate that too. And not only that, it was a day early because it's like what, 15th and 30th or 15th and the last day of the month. Yeah, but if the 15th falls on a, on a weekend, I always do it the day before. Sure. That's how I do it. Yeah, that's true. So, so I mean, sometimes we'll get paid like on the 13th or right. it, like say there's a holiday on Monday, maybe even the 12th. You never know. Right, right. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. I do my yeah, best. I, I got to make sure those Monster Energy drinks are flowing, man, because like if, if you're short on cash, and, well, listen, you know. Today, I, I, of all things, of all things that, like I injure myself every week, I tore up a couple of my toes. What? So I can't do any cardio this week. Yeah, I tore up a couple that? of my I don't know. I woke up and I couldn't put any weight on them. So this week, in full ass sitting mode, I'm drinking Coke Vanilla Zero. It's not because good for I you, man. I desperately want aspartame to eat away at my brain so I won't remember what I'm doing. You know what? I After I turned 40, I became more cognizant of uh, my diet. And so in our household, you're not going to find margarine. You're not going to find aspartame. You're not going to find any of that bullshit. We have like the natural, real stuff. Because it's better for your body. So you always see I'm always drinking my Tim Hortons coffee right here. 
And all this is is three milks and one sugar, and that's it. That's it. I gotta get on that. I gotta get on you it. I gotta find the combination because I that's that's my thing. Like I've tried coffee. I have like a an army of different like Keurig brands that I've brought home and tried. And uh, one of my my old strength and conditioning coaches, he's a big coffee guy. I just gotta find that combo of like milk, sugar, coffee that that I can enjoy and like, and then I'll be off all that shit. You know, a few years ago, I used to drink those Tassimo lattes, and you would get the little milk pods that don't have to be refrigerated. And one day, my wife said, don't you think it's suspect that those milk pods don't have to be refrigerated? What the hell is in that thing, right? And so we stopped mm-hmm. drinking the, the Tassimo lattes because it's all chemicals, man. You don't need that shit, Sean. I'm telling you, you don't need it. You're right. Hey. I got one more thing I want to talk about go. before we get to There's another one. You're right. I, I, I'm going to have to keep, start keeping count. That's like four so far this week. Yeah. record yeah uh you said something on the raw show this week that i don't know if i knew you something brilliant probably i'm sure it was because that's all you ever ever come up with it's you true. uh you said you blew off james ellsworth yeah so i didn't blow him off i don't mean in a sexual sense i mean oh jesus christ Jimmy. <laughs> okay so around the time that he lost to braun Strowman last year i was like i'm gonna interview this guy i remember i remember and it was before, like, like I mentioned, it was before Alex came on full-time. It was before David Tease had come on full-time. So I, in an effort to keep basically freelancer fees as low as I could as we were forming, I was doing everything. I mean, like, if I'm pulling 60 hours a week now, I was pulling 70, 75 back then. It, shit was rough for me. And I, I should add that uh, your, your attempt to uh, curtail uh... – Freelance fees has gone out the window in recent months, and they're a oh, nice yeah. that I they're a nice that I cry oh, yeah. myself to sleep when I look at the numbers. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, no five year plan from your boy. <laughs> I let I let Jimmy handle all that. Huh? I am Eric Bischoff, and he is Ted Turner. Oh, great analogy! <laughs> great analogy. I'm just like here you go, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, we we. Hey, we've watched the budget here and there. Yeah, have we ever? Yeah, we're we're really making a profit on this project. <laughs> hey, well, <laughs> you had to have you had to have Elias and Trig and Cote and all these people and Riddle and all these people. You had to have them. I wanted them. Yeah, I did. I did. All right. Um, so back to Ellsworth. Yeah. So this is before then. I didn't have a lot of time to conduct interviews. So I was like, all right, yeah, we'll we'll do this sometime soon. And a couple weeks later, he was on WWE, and I was like, son of a bitch. That interview isn't happening. So how, He's under contract. How ironic is it that I got the life-size cardboard cutout of James Ellsworth, who's back there right now modeling the official Fightful.com, Sean Ross app, your boy T-shirt, available, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Fightful. How ironic is it that I got that, not knowing that story? Like, that makes it even that much more interesting. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, I talk to a lot of people about doing interviews. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, unfortunately, that one didn't work out. I don't know. You know, I'm sure I, I'll talk to him eventually. Very nice dude. Incredibly nice guy. Cool. All right, you ready to get to the list? Sure. I thought we were already on it. Uh, I guess we kind of sort of are, but the a couple of them were just kind of in the back of my head. But uh, I guess definitely they're part of the list. Uh, I have lots of stuff today. Check this out. I have lots of stuff I want to talk about today. First thing I want to talk about, I want to address a piece of criticism from the JBL Bully podcast last week because I've seen this piece of criticism come up repeatedly and felt the need to address it real quick. Uh, Some people have argued, um, why are we complaining now or why are we holding JBL under the fire now for stuff that he did 10 to 15 years ago? Because that's when most of his bullying happened. And that's been uh, an argument people have had. So, I want to answer this, and I got three reasons why we're holding them under the fire now. One of them you said on the podcast last week. You said because social media 10 to 15 years ago was not what it is now. Uh, and that's true. And, and the fact of the matter is the mainstream media now will often take stories from social media. Often. I mean, they'll post up that they'll, – they'll, they'll report on stuff that was on Twitter, that was on Facebook, that was on Instagram. It's a very common thing. And so 10 to 15 years ago wasn't really a big deal. Now it is. This, this thing at social media blew up, hit the mainstream media, and then becomes a problem for WWE, right, when it hits the mainstream media. 
That's reason number one. Reason number two is JBL himself said that WWE is a sterile world now, right? He said that in his own interview. And if it's a sterile world now, they don't need that bullshit. And then the third reason is the Moro story was new, and Moro was probably the biggest name of all of them. If you look at the last 10 to 15 years and all the guys he bullied, probably the, the biggest name of them all, and that one just happened. And that is why, in my opinion, because you can tell me your opinion, even though most of his stuff was 10 to 15 years ago, he should be uh, called on it now for those reasons. Well, I mean, there was the Hardy Boys to a lesser extent. There were, there were a lot of them. You can go over to Fightful.com and check out the article that Brandon Howard did that has get, gotten tons of props this week. But also, Morrow crosses over. Morrow's a name in kickboxing, in sure. MMA, in boxing. And guys, this may shock you to learn this. Haters. <laughs> By the way, he told me not to respond to criticism. No, yeah, man. Yeah, come what on. The hell? But uh, I didn't have a podcast 15 years ago. 15 years ago, I was in high school. Imagine so if you had one 15 years ago. You'd be like a, what, a nine-year-old kid or whatever. And, oh, no, because you're 32 now, right? So you'd be 17. 31. Okay, 16-year-old kid with a beard in, uh, in like the, what, 10th grade, probably drinking energy drinks, whatever the hell they had back then. That would have been interesting. Yeah, but I mean, this is what it is, and you know, they turned JBL into a babyface on TV. Now he doesn't harass Byron Saxton anymore, and I ultimately for the quality of the program, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of people say that. Well, Morrow's quality was in the toilet. Well, you know, when you put four guys in a booth, that happens. And when did his quality on commentary go downhill? Well, it just seemed to happen when JBL got put in the damn booth. You know what won't surprise me? It won't surprise me if Vince pulls a Pat Patterson with JBL. Do you know what I mean by that? Oh, that could mean a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not okay, I'm probably not meaning what you think I'm meaning. What I mean is when the sexual harassment stuff came up in the eighties, uh, and if anyone isn't familiar, back in the eighties, WWE uh was getting a lot of heat from guys like superstar Billy Graham and Bruno Sammartino that came out and did all these talk shows about all of the sexual harassment that was going on in the company, allegedly. He was fired by association. Well, he was fired, but then he was very quietly brought back because he was yeah. Vince's right-hand man. Vince loved the guy, didn't want to get rid of him, did it because he felt he had to, and then quietly brought him back when things died down. I can see well, there's also that. there's also no necessarily no indication that Pat Patterson actually did those things. The other two people, they're – very good indication that those things did happen. And Patterson was. Well, I remember, I remember Barry O, which was Randy Orton's uncle. He said that Pat Patterson had approached him and had uh, yeah. made suggestions or whatever. But it, the point is I could see them, you know, very publicly pushing JBL out, doing a storyline on television, whatever, getting him out, let it die down for a couple months and then quietly bring him back because he's Vince's boy. I can see that happening, you know, but we'll see. Do you, do you have the Bulls going up two games to nothing on the number one seed Celtics on your list? Oh, yes, because I love basketball so much. You know something, man? I, I do. I live in Toronto. I'm being sarcastic. I live in Toronto. The Raptors are in the playoffs. I really don't care that much. To be yeah. Well, you're an Edmonton Oilers fan. Did you grow up in Edmonton or something? I did not. I, I grew up in Ontario, but I grew up in a, at a time when the Oilers were the big dynasty hockey team. And so as a... As a Gretzky or before? No, Gretzky. Right. How, how fucking old do you think I am before... I mean, sorry, I meant after. Sorry. <laughs> no, it was. I grew up in the uh, in the early to mid '80s, uh, and they were the big team, and so I gravitated towards them. And over the years, I stuck with them, even though they sucked. Would you believe they got they got yeah. pelted seven nothing last night? Yeah, I'd believe it. Uh, oh, that's great. But they uh, hey, they're not down three to one like the Columbus Blue Jackets in the series. Did the, did the Blue Jackets win? They won last night, man. They did. Might go to the game Sunday then. Who knows? Uh, well, it's back in Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh's probably going to close it out. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. You're a big fan too. I uh, I thought that okay, yeah, Pittsburgh is gonna close it out before then. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go on uh, let's go on to the next thing on my list because I have such a lot of stuff on my on my lovable list to talk about. I want, yeah, let's have at it. I want to talk about Braun Strowman for a minute. So let's do it. If you remember when we did our post WrestleMania podcast. And you were really upset at that time because going into Mania, Braun wasn't booked all that strong. Remember, he backed off from The Undertaker. Uh, I think he took a choke slam or something. Then Mania, he's eliminated from the Battle Royal, right? 
uh, didn't do a whole lot. You were really upset, and, and you were almost comparing him to Rusev or Ryback, and you were saying he's going down the path of these monsters. I said he was, could. Well, whatever, whatever. So the reason I want to bring it up is I want to ask you, how do you feel now? Because the last two weeks, he's been the man on Raw. So how do you feel now? I feel oh, I'm indifferent because he should have won at WrestleMania. I don't know. I think there should have been a non-finish, maybe, at uh, Fastlane. Your audio is cutting up, man. Your audio is cutting up. Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah, but it's still, you got some, uh, some uh, whatever in the background, some distortion. Some distortion. You do. You have distortion. I'll, I'll figure it out. But it's pretty bad. Uh, you carry. You carry on while I while I figure this out. Okay, I can just talk some wisdom. So, I I believed that if WWE puts the machine behind anybody, they can turn anybody into a star. And I I was joking with you about James Ellsworth. If they decided to make him a main eventer, put him over all of the top guys, he would suddenly be main eventing pay per views because they have the power with that machine. And uh, Braun, I think, is no different. They, they've chosen, at least for the last two weeks, to get behind him. Uh, took Casting. out Roman Reigns. Uh, sing, sing a song for me so I can really figure it out. Once when I was afraid to speak, when I was just a lad. I don't know I if I'm ever going to get over that. Weak and told me I was bad. Then I learned a brilliant word that saved my aching nose. The biggest word you've ever heard, and this is how it goes. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. How the hell do you know the words to that? Limp Biscuit. Oh, that's Limp Biscuit. See, I, I don't, I didn't even know. I mean, it's Limp Biscuit, uh, like from when I was fifteen, and uh, it was a hidden track. And then I later found out I think it's from like Mary Poppins or something. Okay, if Anna's listening to this, I want to see on your next show, I want this clip to somehow make an appearance, if you could figure it out. Listen, uh, me and Anna are probably going to have a sing-off eventually. It's heading down that path. She tests me on that Tuesday podcast all the time, and pretty soon the battle is going to come to a full head, and we're going to have to have a sing-off. That's just how Is she good? Is she a good singer? Not, well, compared to me, no, she's shit. I mean, uh, given your ego again, I'm sure that Whitney Houston at her peak is worse than you are today, Sean. Well, yeah. <laughs> anyway, going back to Braun, uh, I was always of the belief that if WWE got their machine behind him or anybody, they could turn him into a star. And uh, at least the last two weeks is looking like it. He's looking good. He's been the man of, of Raw the last two weeks. Yeah, the, the backing down stuff shouldn't have happened mm-hmm. under no circumstances because people like Braun Strowman tearing shit up. Let me ask you this. Since they're playing like Roman is injured, do you think it, it – does it not make sense that Braun goes over Roman clean because they play up the injury? Then you build Ro, uh, Braun as the next challenger for Brock at, say, SummerSlam. Doesn't that make sense? Well, yeah, I think that's happening anyway. Okay, but it's got to be – here's the thing. I think he should beat Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. I disagree with that. But I think Braun Strowman should be the guy. Really? The guy. With the belt and everything? With whatever the hell they can give him to make him the guy. The YouTube numbers are unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah. Seven point something million for the, the, the overturning the ambulance. He had three different segments that as a whole averaged like 1.5 million each this week. Yeah. You go back and you look at his history, and like apparently it's always been like this. Like one million against Mark Henry, a million for a, a jobber match against three guys. He has shown improvement, absolutely, and, and he's gotten better. And he is what people want to see. He's getting great reactions. Yep. Don't change him. Make yep. him this bruiser. Don't have him go on Good Morning America and josh it up with Michael Strahan. Oh, he he ho ho. Have him show up on Good, Amer- Good Morning America and break Michael Strahan's fucking desk. Is that what you do if you go in Good Morning America? Is you say, oh, he, he, oh, ho, ho? Is that what they do? Pretty much. That's what John Cena does all the time. He used oh, to go he, out there oh, and ho, ho. dick around with Regis. Like, uh-huh. and, and there's nothing wrong with that. It worked for John Cena, but what's working for Braun Strowman is tearing shit up. Now, I'm, I'm in retrospect, I don't know if I'm that upset with him losing a match because – if he had just constantly won, if he was still undefeated, there would be that 
always in the back of the head, who's going to be the one to beat Braun Strowman? And it would almost get that type of, you know, the, the, the forced down our throat reaction, which he is being forced down our throat, but it's a guy who was lost. And it's a guy that people would rather see in general than Roman Reigns because he's more believable in this role. Now, Roman Reigns can play the fiery underdog against Braun Strowman, Mm -hmm. but he can't do that against AJ Styles and Kevin Owens and all this stuff. So it's a little bit of a different situation. Now, the thing that they put Roman Reigns in, they they made him look super sympathetic last week Mm -hmm. or or on the, on the, the, the vignette at the beginning of Raw. Right. And I'm like, it fits here. It's okay here, but nobody feels bad for him. No, I mean, when, when a guy gets stretchered out and the live crowd says, you deserve it, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think yeah. Braun should definitely go over Roman. I don't know if, if Braun's ready for the title just yet over Brock, but he should definitely go over Roman. He should definitely get a title shot against Brock. I mean, Kali had the title at one point. He's well, more ready than Kali I know, I know. And, I, and, and the next thing on this list is Mr. McMahon. So, you know, we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, – matter of fact, let's just go right to the next thing on the list. So um, I'm always every week talking about Justin Roberts' book because I'm in the middle of reading it. Uh, called Best Seat in the House. And he talks about so much stuff that happened every day in WWE that uh, it's unbelievable. And I told you the the Stephanie McMahon story when he was going to go for an interview and then she decided no thanks when he's sitting in the lobby, right? So uh, a story came out today about Vince McMahon. uh, And you know that he has the reputation of changing his mind on a daily basis, right? And he's had that reputation for a while. Sure. And you know how they stopped using the word fans because he decided he likes WWE Universe better. They stopped using belt because he didn't like that. Um, they stopped using wrestling because he didn't like that. He said that's what his dad did. Came out today that he came up with superstar shakeup because he decided he doesn't like the yeah. word. He doesn't like the word draft all of a sudden. Uh, and he told he he basically gave shit one day to Braun Strowman because Braun Strowman used the words title shot, and Vince thought that he should be saying title match. So I'm going to yeah. tell a story along those lines that Justin told in his book again. Uh, because, again, this man is part of the overall problem whenever we talk about the issues in the company. So Justin told a story about how he was doing WrestleMania. And he was told by Kevin Dunn that, hey, Vince is going to be giving me a write-up for you uh, to announce the attendance. Because, you know, they always do the attendance. Sure. And Justin's waiting and waiting and no one's giving him anything. And it's almost time for that segment. Uh, and he's trying to figure out what the hell's going on. No one's giving him anything. And finally, he goes to Vince, and Vince looks at him and goes, uh, oh, I'm, I'm actually pretty disappointed. I was uh, hoping that you were going to give me something you wrote to approve. And Justin was like, but I was told specifically that I was going to be getting something you wrote for me to read word for word in the ring. And this is the kind of miscommunication and bullshit that happens in the company all the time. So I want to bring this up because when I heard today about superstar shakeup is the new term for draft, it's very indicative of this man and how he changes his mind pretty much on a daily basis, which is why creative sometimes is where it is, right? Yeah, and I'm sure that Justin Roberts got heat for that, even though there was a miscommunication. And, hey, I've learned uh, – there's been miscommunication between you and myself and, and Joe in the past. I've learned mm-hmm. you're just fucking honest. And if, you're, if you work hard enough, if the person you're working for is reasonable, they'll let the shit slide as long as it doesn't become a – like as long as it's not every day you're like, hey, you all need to get on the same page. That seems to be the case in WWE. Like these types of miscommunications, these stories are everywhere. You know, early in his career, he was told you cannot say opponent. Yeah, so, there's a lot there. Right? I, there's a full list of terms. It's actually a podcast I thought about doing in the future, like a standalone, maybe on a members only, like right. words that Vince McMahon hates and why right. he hates them. Right, right. Can you imagine being the ring announcer and you bring out the first guy and then you're not allowed to say his opponent? And and he was, yeah, he it's was weird. told, yeah, he was told that. So, uh, okay, let's go on to the next one because I know you're going to like this one. Let's talk about the six pack challenge for the WWE title number one contendership. This has been an actual six pack challenge <laughs> where you grade the wrestlers six packs. Under <laughs> Mahal takes that in a wash. Now. This has gotten a lot of attention over the last, what's it been, uh, what, 12, 16 hours? Because yeah. uh, everybody is like, what the hell? Jinder Mahal won, what the hell, right? Now, the first thing I want to do is I want to read the list of people that were in this match. And we don't need to go over the whole <laughs> thing and storyline. You did that on the SmackDown review show. But I just want to touch upon the interesting stuff. So yeah. Mojo Rawley was in the match. 
which features six guys going for the number one contendership, if you think about it like that. Eric Rowan was in the match, featuring six guys for the number one contendership. Dolph Ziggler, who I have not really thought much of in quite a while. Uh, Sami Zayn, who I could kind of accept. I could kind of accept him in that spot. And then, Jin, and then uh, Luke Harper, who I could also probably accept in that spot. Uh, and Jinder Mahal. Everybody is shocked about Jinder Mahal winning, and understandably so, because he's been enhancement talent pretty much from the time they re-signed him. Uh, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The only thing I want to say in his defense is since he came back, when you look at his dedication to training and when you look at his physical reformation and PEDs aside, if, he, if he's on any of that stuff, he looks like a star, Jinder Mahal. Yeah, he does. And, and he is deceptively large. People don't realize that dude is 6'5", right? Yes, he's huge. And he's in the best shape of his life. And he's not too bad in the ring, aside from yeah, he he stiffed Finn Balor and gave him a concussion. Name a name a good gen name a good gender Mahal match. He's never given the opportunity. He's never given a twenty minute match on he's, a pay per view, right? He wrestled on main event and superstars. Yeah, that's half it. His career, he got ten to fifteen minute matches all the time. Like he's he's not terrible in the ring, especially if you look at you know previous eras. VL, and, VLC is his in ring highlight. What is it? WLC, that 3MB Los Matadores thing where they had Hornswoggle and Torito do the TLC match. Uh, I vaguely remember. I vaguely remember. It was it was entertaining as hell. Well, and he was he was like he was the sixth best person in that match. Well, I'm going to tell you the two main issues that I have with the choice of Jinder Mahal. And again, this is aside from the obvious, which is he was booked as as enhancement talent forever, and so mm-hmm. it's very difficult, I think, for the fans to accept him based on the way he was booked. The first issue I have is I don't think he's the promo guy to be in the spot. And no. I always look at talking smack as the indication, right? Because it's one thing if you're cutting a promo that was scripted by somebody on SmackDown. That's kind of different. Talking smack is when they can be more relaxed and they can be more like themselves. And so I saw him on Talking Smack talking to Shane McMahon. He was very awkward. He was uncomfortable. Uh, he just wasn't good talking, talking to Shane on that show. And that's going to that's gonna hinder him. And obviously, we know this is a short-term thing. I think they're just trying to get Randy Orton to SummerSlam. Uh, and this is one of their ways of kind of killing time until he gets to SummerSlam. But the other issue I have uh, is, and you, you touched upon this on the SmackDown show, Jinder Mahal is Canadian. The Bollywood boys are Canadian, both of them. Why can't they just present him as being a wrestler who happens to be of Indian heritage but he's not a, oh, you guys are racist. And playing that card that they... It's lazy. Yeah, they always play that Mahal, card. They Mahal always play it. it. Right. That's what pissed me off. And I wrote a feature about it for this weekend, really expanding on it. Because there were a lot of weird defenses. Right. You guys got to stop pretending like you all gave a fuck about Jinder Mahal three days ago. <laughs> no. And this... And this is very 2010 Miami Heat of you guys. Oh, all of a sudden, oh, gender. Oh, great move. Ooh, good move. Smart move, WWE. You're full of shit, guys. Can you do that ooh for me one more time? I mean, come on. They, it's so the, – the gender Mahal fandom is hilarious. Mm. Now, in talking to people today, he is – You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. He's really, really adored backstage. People mm-hmm. like him. And a lot of that is his work ethic in the gym. Sure. But that hasn't translated to in the ring or on the mic. Because last night, and I had people saying, well, they had heat before the mic even got picked up. I'm like, come on, you guys are in Louisville, Kentucky, and they all you can call them dumb or whatever, dumb Kentucky. <laughs> they knew the fucking score when they saw the Bollywood boys. They knew what kind of promo was coming after that. It ain't hard to figure out. Are you saying you're a dumb Another Kentuckian, one, Sean? I'm saying that that's a stereotype <laughs> as well. And, hey, it worked. They got a lot of good heat for it. Good for them. And if they can sustain it, that puts them in an, in an interesting position Jimmy, because I wonder if WWE will think, well, we can beat anybody for years on end. Look, look at gender. We right. can just job this guy out forever. And it wasn't just that he got jobbed out. Yeah. He has one singles win on national television since he came back. And that was the one that earned him his job back against Heath Slater. And not only Eric that, but Rowan it's in it, that match. Eric Rowan doesn't have one in two years, a singles it, nationally televised win. And it'd be one thing if it was uh, if he was the type of enhancement worker that went 15, 20 minutes like a Sami Zayn and came up short. Yeah. This guy's been getting killed in 30 seconds. That's the 30 problem. 30 seconds. That's the problem. And look, I, I have no problem with WWE wanting to try to build new guys up, and I have no problem with them wanting to give Jinder a shot because, again, I think he looks like a star. I think he's, he very, he's very well-spoken. Like He's a very intelligent, well-spoken guy. So I have no problem with that, but it's very difficult when you take a guy that one week ago was getting his ass handed to him, and now all of a sudden you just decide to flip a switch week over week and put him in a title match. It's very difficult for guys to accept it. I think that the switch from Raw to SmackDown was the perfect opportunity for them to to do a slow build until he's ready for that spot. But wasn't he last week on SmackDown beat down again, wasn't he? Like in his, I can't remember. I can't I remember think either. So. I think he was. I think he was. And now well, he lost sudden, to he lost to Finn, Finn Balor after he concussed him. But there's also the thing India. Everybody's like, oh, it's the Indian territory. It's a great territory. Yeah, I know. We get a f- good amount of traffic from there. I I know that that the deal. But there's no guarantee that's going to happen. Like that's that's a big gamble. I mean, nobody knew that Bret Hart was going to be a giant superstar in like Africa. Yeah. You can't predict that just because he is of that descent. How's Mahabali Shera working out for Impact Wrestling? How's that doing? I mean, again, Ginger is a Canadian guy, and I, I think yeah. I think he does have family in India, and I think he uh, speaks Punjab, if, if that's the right language. But uh, another one is <laughs> people saying it's different. I'm like, your boy dropped six thousand words on WWE running this same gimmick, like multiple times it's muhammad hassan just not as good because he had those fantastic vignettes and muhammad hassan was a great talker and even when he wasn't davari was a great talker and when muhammad hassan couldn't necessarily get it done in the ring davari sure as hell could Mm -hmm. uh this is virtually identical to tiger tiger ali singh Uh, I, i think he's better than tiger ali singh I think. Well, it doesn't take a whole lot. <laughs> it doesn't take a whole lot to be better than Tiger Ali Singh. He sucked. I mean, again, but, um, I'm, I'm off for them giving him a shot. I just think they're doing it sure. one, one week after he was an enhancement talent. That's that's a bit, well, a bit of a stretch. And they're doing it minutes before Kevin Owens comes out and runs an anti-American gimmick. Now, I want to talk about Kevin Owens briefly because the other thing about the six-pack challenge that I thought was very interesting was can you ever recall the time in the history of WWE when the top guys were more interested in the U.S. title than the WWE title. Weird. Have you ever seen that happen before? It happens it's, sometimes in WCW, but I can't really remember it in WDB. I'm sure there's been, like, you know, there, the, when Lesnar was around, when Lesnar was champion last time, that, that kind of had to happen because of the Intercontinental title, if I remember correctly. And really, based on perception... People could argue any like there were times when Triple H would hold the Intercontinental title in like the early two thousands. There was that too, but yeah. But aside from having your champion be a top guy, look at the state of SmackDown right now. They've got AJ Styles okay. going over the U.S. title. They got Kevin Owens as the champion. Baron Corbin had a I think it was number one contender match with Styles. 
Nakamura was available. They could have put him in the six-pack challenge too. But they hey, Ty didn't. Dillinger was a better call than Eric Rowan. Yeah, or Ty Dillinger, yeah. And I found it very interesting that these top guys like Owens and Styles, and I don't consider Corbin a top guy, but they do. Those, they do. Those guys were going after the U.S. More, title. More of a top guy than Jinder Mahal or Eric Rowan. Oh, he is. Abs- oh, 100%. Absolutely he is, yeah. So I found that very fascinating when I heard that the match was, when the uh, match was first announced, that they left those guys out. Again, yeah. I'm all for doing something different, and and again, I would like to give Jinder a shot because he looks like a star. But flipping it one week after he's in, he was enhancement talent, that's kind of where I question it. That's that's my thing, and you can switch that up. Like here here's a here's another big problem I have. There was no explanation. How does he all of a sudden not suck? Now, you should have had Shane McMahon say something like. You know, you were in a pretty favorable match. You were in a six-pack challenge, and you had help. Anybody could have won that match. Mm-hmm. That wasn't portrayed. Jinder Mahal wasn't on there saying, I changed something up. When Robbie Lawler stopped getting his ass kicked in the UFC, he was like, hey, I switched up my training camp. I stopped sparring. I became a champion. And he said, something, he said something on Talking Smack about he, he, he compared Randy Orton to a crocodile and himself to a shark or something, and... I just thought, oh, God, when it comes to promos, it's going to be a challenge with Jinder. But, but again, I, I think that he's considered to be a bridge to SummerSlam. I think that's really all they're looking at. I just need an explanation. That's it. Give me, a, give me and the, the millions of people watching a reason why he became so successful. Now, hey, next week, I'm not saying Rusev's coming back, but Rusev could come back, kick him in the ass, and steal his lunch money and say, my title shot, bitch. You yeah, never maybe. know what they're going to do. Maybe, like you maybe. never know how they'll they'll play this out. I mean, I remember when Tyler Rex was added to a Survivor Series team, and they said, "Screw this shit." Mm. Uh, but there there's also the argument: this is the type of reaction they want. Well, we'll see. Maybe it's the type of reaction they want. Yeah, maybe uh, his YouTube his YouTube numbers did good. That's a good start. Hey, if it if it can if his heat translates to ticket sales, network subs, growth in India, or even getting somebody over at his expense or getting himself over, mm-hmm. then it worked. Yeah, and, and again, he's, he's clearly put in a lot of work, and, and he's, yeah. he's, he's worked hard to make himself better. So I'm all for him getting an opportunity. Got to get better in See, the ring. Hey, he throws some of the best knees in wrestling. I'll say that. <laughs> pretty good, pretty good uh, forearm shot, too. Yeah. Not bad, uh-huh. not bad. Okay, I want to move on because I have a couple of Twitter questions today, Sean. Oh, do you? And one of them is pretty good. Well, they're both good, but one of them, one of them is very, uh, very unique. Uh, this is from Emma Ems. And the question is, is there an ethical quandary when covering WWE and its culture, yet relying on it for news? Not trolling, legit question. Now, so, now let, me, let me say quick. So I, I think when she says when covering WWE and its culture, I think she's talking about the JBL show last week when we were talking about the culture of pro wrestling and we were talking about the tradition of hazing and, uh, and ribbing. Uh, now I have my answer. I'm sure you have your answer. You can start. So what do you think? Uh, is there an ethical quandary? I'll say it like this. I don't give a fuck what WWE thinks. That's nice. And, that's that's nice and uh, nice and to the point. Good for you. It is, and and I talked to Shane Helms about that this last week, and we had a pretty good discussion about it. He was like, "Well, you all are making money off of this business," and I was like, "I'm not fluffing you guys." Uh, did did NFL writers fluff the NFL when they talked about Richie Incognito? And uh, I can't remember who who the guy he bullied was, but you got to cover it. I, I'm not trying to be a WWE backstage announcer. I'm not trying to be on their SummerSlam panels. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to report the news for Fightful.com and drive traffic to that site. So, I mean, if they offer me an interview, like say they, they call me up, hey, you want to talk to Alexa Bliss? Yeah, sure. I'm going to ask her questions relative to what you're promoting, and I'll ask her questions relative to what interests my audience like there and it is tough because a lot of people are like well without them you wouldn't have a job well okay without the president and without a lot of politics uh, political writers wouldn't have a job trig tent wouldn't exist but it doesn't mean that we gotta pat their asses just because they create new it's it's such that it's just media ethics you guys that's that's all it is. Okay, let me jump in and give my answer. So I, I do not consider myself to be a journalist. 
maybe you do, Sean. I, and I know I own this site and we do this little podcast, but I don't consider myself to be a journalist. But I don't uh, see an ethical quandary, and there's two reasons why. And the first reason, as you kind of discussed, is I think when you're covering any topic, whether it be pro wrestling, whether it be mainstream sports, whether it be entertainment, whatever, I think you got to cover the good and the bad. you got to cover the positive and the negative if you're going to do it justice. Uh, yeah. And that's the first thing. The second thing, and this is, this is uh, you know, I like to tell stories, Sean. I'm a storyteller, man. And I'm yeah. going to tell a little story. WWE relies on wrestling sites like us as much as we rely on them for content. They rely on wrestling sites like us for publicity, for free advertising, and to keep them in the news. And I'm going to tell you a very interesting story. Do you know who Morgan Spurlock is? I do. So Morgan Spurlock, uh, for those who don't know, he's the guy that did the documentary Supersize Me, which was when he ate McDonald's every day for 30 days. He did a television show for CNN several years back called Inside Man. You ever seen that show, Inside Man? I had heard of it. Actually, I'm, I, it's on my Netflix queue, I think. So there was an episode. So every episode, he essentially tackled a different industry uh, or a different job. And there was an episode when he was a paparazzi in Los Angeles, and he would follow around other paparazzi. And one day, he's following another paparazzi, and the guy goes, hey, we have to go to LAX because Kim Kardashian's coming in from a flight. And when they're on their way over there, Morgan Spurlock goes, let me ask you a question. How do you know that Kim Kardashian is coming in on this flight? The guy gets a grin on his face, and he basically says, because she told us. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, Kim Kardashian, I don't give her a lot of credit because I think the Kardashians are idiots, but, but the people around her, they knew enough that to keep her relevant, you have to be in the entertainment publications. That's how you stay relevant. Uh, and WWE is really no different. They want us to cover them because every story is news about them, right? Every story could lead to another eyeball on their TV show. Every story could lead to a new subscription on their network. They want us to do this stuff. And so I have no ethical quandary because just as we rely on them for content, they rely on us for publicity, for free advertising, and to keep them in the news. And that's my opinion. Sure. And, and as I've said, they're weird about it sometimes. Like you won't see a lot of people, like you won't see a lot of wrestling websites get interviews directly from WWE because they would rather go to LEX in Lexington, WLEX, and have Big E talk to them because they know we're going to put up interview clips of it after that. Meanwhile, if he does one with Fightful.com, WLEX probably doesn't give a shit. They, they, it's just how they are. So they're strategic about it. That has changed. Like WWE gave me American Alpha and Alexa Bliss and some of that stuff. TNA used to be really good about it until they their company turned into a mess. We'll mm -hmm. see how it goes for Slammiversary. Uh, apparently, I'm not on Ring of Honor shit list anymore because they gave me a couple people, so that's good. I think with I, WWE, ego plays a part too, and I, I think that just as Kim Kardashian probably isn't going to do an interview with TMZ, I think that Vince McMahon's not going to do an interview with Fightful because he would be afraid of the questions we're too good for ask, him. right? What's that? We're too, we're too good for well, him. Well, I think he's going to be afraid of some of the hard-hitting questions, and he doesn't want to get embarrassed. But he's like, God damn it, they're too big. We need to get <laughs> one of those underground sites. But I think at the same time, I think that they're not going to try to shut us down. In any way. Go to PW Insider. Yeah. <laughs> Give everybody fucking viruses on their computer. <laughs> okay, you need to stop talking about competition in, in, a, in, a, in a negative, positive light. You got to be above that, Sean. You got to stop doing that, man. I no, not, when that. They don't, not when they don't cite our boy, Steve Muehlhausen, on a story and then send him an angry email about it. Eventually, the truth comes out. Right, Melter's been better. He mentions Fightful when he uh, when he quotes us. Sure. So just just relax with I that kind of petty thing. stuff you do, man. You got to relax. The thing with is, that. let's be honest. I don't think Melter would ever do that maliciously. No, no, no. It may be an oversight. Yeah. A uh, boys that we were just talking about very blatantly and maliciously do it to everybody. You got to be above it. Just chill with that. You got to be above it. Telling I like to drag people down to my level. You are, which is and beat the shit out of them. <laughs> That's typical of social media trolls. What you're doing, it's typical of social media trolls. Well, let's be honest. All entertainers, to some degree, are a troll at heart. You have to be at some point. Whoa, whoa, whoa. so are you an entertainer now? 
course. You said uh, you questioned whether I was a journalist or not. But you said what you were. You told me you're a serious you journalist. Said, I don't know if you consider yourself a journalist. Well, I'll be an entertainer for an hour on Wednesdays. Well, no, I don't consider myself a journalist. I'm not a journalist. Okay. You, I think, do consider yourself to be a journalist. I do, especially on the Monday and Tuesday shows and you know some of the other ones. Sometimes I don't know. We've gotten more laid back because the thing I hate the most is when somebody can't have a sense of humor even about their line of work. Mm. Like, man, like where, where's the fun in taking everything too literally? Dude, I got to have a sense of humor because I got to talk to you every day. That's very true. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> hey, I mean, guys, there are videos of me like six, seven years ago when I was first doing this. It have come a long way. I was very wooden and had a pronounced southern accent. Like it, it peaks out sometimes. It here. comes out sometimes. It does. Yeah, but I mean, I basically put myself through speech therapy, so I could appeal to more people. Give yourself another six months. You might sound Canadian. Oh shit! You never know. Hey, there are I worse. Appeal, I want to appeal to more people. <laughs> All right, let's go to the, Not the other. Fewer frozen people. Let's go to the other Twitter question. So this is from Dan Levi. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing your name you got right. A couple too, I think. You got the same one. No, I've got a couple. There were a couple on here. Okay. Too. So Dan Levi, or it might be Levy, he said, uh, on this week's show, please shoot on the Hart Foundation's Canada versus USA program. How was the entire storyline received in Canada? Now, I can tell you, as a guy that lives in Toronto, uh, Bret Hart, what you saw on television at that time, as far as Bret Hart being an iconic character in Canada, that's legitimate. Yeah. Uh, I went to the world premiere of his documentary, uh, Wrestling with Shadows. They had the world premiere in Toronto, and I went to that premiere at a theater somewhere downtown, and his reception by that crowd was insane. Uh, and the thing I loved about wrestling at that time, and you and I have spoken before, Sean, about what a great time in wrestling that was. This was 97 at the time. The great thing about wrestling was WWE, I don't know if it was intentional or if it just kind of worked out that way, they would have... Raw one week and say Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Then the next week they're in like Pittsburgh. Then the next week they're in Calgary. Then the next week they're in Albany. Every week you got the crowd loving them. Then the crowd shitting on them. Then the crowd loving them. Then the crowd shitting on them. It was a great time to be a fan. And, uh, you know, I guess the one thing I'll say is the American crowd hated him because he was Canadian or because he shit on America. Canadians don't hate Americans. Canadians and Americans yeah. are more or less the same thing, I think. But hey, Bret Hart was just real good at what he did, and so yeah. was Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin. I don't think there was a better culture and environment among fans in pro wrestling than that time. That was no. the best, in my opinion. It was great, and and the funny thing that I think a lot of people didn't know. I don't even know if you know this, Sean. Bret Hart has dual citizenship. Did you know that? I didn't. He does. He's got American and Canadian citizenship because his mom was born in the U.S. and he spent mm-hmm. he spent enough time there that he had he had dual citizenship. But of course, when he's doing and he lived in Hawaii for a long time too after wrestling. Oh yeah. Um, but a lot of the fans didn't know that back then, and so he played up the Canadian thing, you know, to a maximum. And it was just a great time to be a fan, just watching him one week be the the biggest baby face, and the next week be the biggest teal, and the next week be the biggest baby face. It was a great time to be a wrestling fan. And again, living in Toronto because he was from Alberta, Canada, he was as big here as he was anywhere. He was legitimately an icon in, uh, in this country. So it was a good time. I loved that time. I loved that angle. I loved uh, – it was hard for me to dislike, even though as a, as a red-blooded American, hard for me to dislike the Hart Foundation. They were I great. Grew up with, yeah. grew up with Bret Hart and British Bulldog as baby faces. Yep. Brian Pillman's a Cincinnati guy, and yep. I've always had a soft spot for, for locals – um, you know, when Brett won the title, sorry, when he won the title from Taker at SummerSlam that year, uh, and he, I don't know if he, if he did it cause he used to do an article uh, in the Calgary sun and it was uh, syndicated nationwide might've been in that article. He said, I'm coming into Toronto on this day on this flight. Uh, and he said it on purpose because he wanted to see what would happen. Hundreds of people, if not thousands showed up at the airport when, when he came into Toronto yeah. And I remember seeing the limo that was pulling out of the airport and had the sunroof and he came out and he held the belt up, you know, like that was such a fun time to be a fan. Oh yeah. Great family too. Diana, always great to me. Uh, Davey boy, Smith, Jr. Harry Smith, wonderful person. Natalia's great. I've talked to her several times. And I told you about Jim Neidhart too. Jim Neidhart took a chair shot for me when I promoted and he did the heart attack clothesline with Eric Young. If you can picture it, Eric Young did the yeah. role of Bret Hart, 
and they picked the guy up and Eric threw the clothesline at the guy on an, on an independent show. Jim Neidhart was awesome. He was so easy to work with. So yeah, the hearts were great. And again, that was a great time to be a fan. DX was just coming up at that time. They were just starting with Sean and Hunter. Mm-hmm. Stone Cold was just kind of starting to come around. The Rock was just coming up. Uh, uh, the NWO was probably at its peak at that time. Great time to be a wrestling fan. Also, Pillman's kids. I, it's funny. We have a lot of mutual friends on Facebook, so I'll see. And I'm actually friends with uh, Brittany, his his daughter, and uh, his son and I follow each other on Twitter, so I'll see them on there all the time. Seem like great kids, too. So I like the family values thing of that. It's like they're heels, but they, they are a family of heels. It was such a cool thing. I think if WWE, if they would have known well enough, they could do this with Kevin Owens in particular. Like he could go, not to that degree, ain't nothing reaching the Bret Hart degree. Yeah, no. But no. Kevin Owens is so talented. He is very good, yeah. That he could he could make that work. I, I think, think they could make it work if they did it in Quebec. Uh, yeah. Because in Quebec, I mean, him and Sami Zayn about a month ago, they when they when the loop went through Montreal and, and went through Quebec, him and Sami Zayn headlined every show on that loop. Yeah, uh, and I think they almost sold out the Bell Center in Montreal with them headlining. Yeah, so I think they could do that gimmick in Quebec. Kevin Owens, I don't think is as popular sure. on a, on a national stage in Canada as uh, as yeah. Bret Hart. Not even close. But in Quebec, he could do it. Somebody asked when my next members only podcast will be. I don't know. Maybe this week or next week. Next week is kind of quiet. I think no UFC event. I think there's a pay per view, so I might do it then. Let me know when Maybe. so I can make sure I submit questions. Oh, God. Do you have any more Twitter questions? Do I have any more Twitter? Oh, on my list? No, that is the end of my list today, man. Ah, so we got about, what, asked, five minutes left? Somebody asked, SRS, do you and Jimmy ever argue full on? I don't think we've ever argued full on. We've disagreed over some stuff. Yeah, we disagree, and I'm usually right, and then you usually admit that I was right. Uh, but uh, no, we get along pretty good, man. I mean, I, and, and yeah. the way we work, uh, just so anybody knows, I come up with ideas for Fightful all the time. And I typically run them by Sean, uh, as well as by this girl, Lindsay, that works with us, because I really value and respect Lindsay's opinion. Great. And I really value and respect your opinion, Sean, even though I like to bust your balls. So I, I tend to go to you guys. And, and typically, it's almost like a committee decision, where if you guys both say something sucks, I will go along with it sometimes. I got one for you. If there was an all-out battle royal in your office, mm-hmm. who wins and why? With all the employees? Yeah, because Lindsay's pretty crafty. I'm going to be <laughs> honest. She's pretty crafty. I get the feeling she'd figure out a way. So I've got, I've got about 30 people, and I would say eight or nine of them, I think, are female, and I think that the rest are probably male, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most of the males are in their 20s. Uh, I probably have to give you a name that you wouldn't recognize because you only know Nigel, Lindsay. Uh, I think you yeah, might yeah. know Juan a little bit. Melissa. Oh, yeah, you know Melissa. You know what? Melissa's feisty too. Melissa would put up a fight, I think. Lindsay, I think, would put up a fight too. But uh, I don't know. I think in the end what I would do is I would look at them and I'd say, uh, payday's Tuesday, now throw yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> Someone says, Sean, we hear about your work schedule. What is a typical day like? Oh, that's fun. Okay, so he gets up at noon. And so I when I need to hit him up at 10 o'clock because something's broken, Sean doesn't respond and Alex doesn't respond. And then I end up having to send him an email. <laughs> happened once. Happened twice. Happened twice. So I have, to send him, I have to send him an email saying, where the fuck are you guys? And then eventually they come on Skype and they apologize for their absence because they were sleeping in. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's happened twice in nine months. That's how the day starts. That's how it starts. Usually I wake up. I immediately, the first thing I do is check my inbox for like leads, responses, news. I got two inboxes. I got my Fightful and Gmail one. And when I wake up, I probably got a couple dozen emails, some from Jimmy, some from uh, contacts, some from WWE. If I've reached out for comment from them, from sources or whatever, uh, check on that first off, because that's where generally the news is coming from that day. Depending on the day, I make sure that Joe's podcast is a go because Monday he does an early show. Uh, Tuesday he does afternoon show. Thursday, kind of like a noonish show. Friday, I'm with him. Make sure that's all good to go. Then I got to edit it. Check out messages from Jimmy Van or the tech team because usually I have something from Melissa or Lindsay about maybe a bug, maybe something that they want to add, uh, maybe Jimmy asking my opinion on something. 
I'll follow up with Alex. I see what's on his docket, what he's covering. We got to make sure that we don't cover the same things because that's bad for SEO. I mean, we don't want to double up our content, anything like that. So got to figure that out. Then I find out what he's covering. I decide to take some stories. Then what we feel like we might not be able to get to in a timely manner, we assign to our freelancers. Uh, If the freelancers don't answer us, I bitch at the freelancers and say, hey, didn't know it was this hard to pay people to write about wrestling. What the hell you doing? I didn't know your answer was going to be this long, like such a long and like drawn out answer. A lot of stuff. I mean, people ask, get the shows edited. If I've got a show that night, I'll put it into YouTube. Uh, That way people visiting YouTube will see the scheduled uh, set up posts. Then usually after like news kind of calms down around five or six, I'm able to take a couple hours, eat, maybe run to town, uh, spend some time with my wife. If it's a Wednesday or Thursday, there's not usually a lot going on. So I may get a little more time there. How was your date Uh, at the park last week? How was that? It was wonderful. It was magnificent. Now, do you do the the picnic thing where you get like the basket and all that? No, but we might soon. Like I'm starting to cherish that type of stuff a little bit more. Are you going to get it's one like of those picnic open. baskets where they have the two thing, doors on the top and you open them outwards like that? You know? I have one. Oh, you yeah, have, have one already. One. There you go. Yeah, we use it as like it houses our supplements and stuff, like our fish oil, vitamins. But yeah. Uh, whatever podcast is going on, like if, if I don't have time to listen to Joe's show, I'll tune in, make sure the audio is fine because sometimes audio is not right and nobody tells anybody. I love how then, you were able to segue right back to your story after I cut you off. You, hey, like you know. segued right back to it. Let me ask you this. Well, hey, what, people, it, was, it was a question. Then I edit a bunch of shit at night. What hours do you tend to work? So I, I know I've needed you at one in the morning at times and you've been on it like that. So what, what hours? I'm almost always working at one in the morning. I get, me and Alex both get a ton of work done really late. I would say probably usually 9.30 or 10 till about, depending on when my wife gets home 4 30 or 5 then especially mondays it's 7 30 basically to 2 in the morning because i get a lot of editing done late because we have what are called david tease bombs yeah, yeah where david will come through at 7 p.m and write 432 articles <laughs> <laughs> and you gotta edit them you gotta make sure the stuff is up it's it's a lot so, of work i love it i, how did, I, how I like did, working late how did my podcast story mandate, how did that affect your, because remember you admitted yesterday about my brilliance with the podcast stories? Yeah. How, how did that impact your week? Because I'm on you about deadlines for that. How did that work? A little bit. I mean, like what happens is when Jimmy says that, like we have the Elias show Tuesday, he wants articles assigned and done and published. Uh, well, not necessarily published, maybe pre-published. That way we can use them for ad purposes, like on Facebook, Twitter, stuff like that. Uh, within a day. Now, not now necessarily we don't want those up within a day on Fightful, but we want those who can see the ads to be able to see them. Because, you know, sometimes we'll have like a Brandon Howard article, which always do good. Mm-hmm. We want those up, and we don't want to cram you guys with like six features at once because a lot of stuff gets lost in the shuffle. Um, I've got John doing the Elias one. Pat picks up like Cote, Riddle, Helms, Pierce, and Trigg. Like, Pat has been really smart about that in that he's like, okay, Sean's got a full-time MMA guy and an associate editor, and then I'm doing – Carlos is the lead boxing guy, and then there's me. I'm picking up every single thing in between. Pat is really smart, Pat Fanon, because he's like, okay, I'm going to pick up all these podcast articles. I'm going to make that my niche. That's my territory. I'm taking that. He usually does that in a pretty timely manner unless something comes up, so – I help him get those assigned. Like uh, I'll watch the show and uh, timestamp it. Sometimes you do that for us. Yeah, so, sometimes. I don't want to bore people by going into more detail because people are falling asleep. So let's just say you do a lot of shit. Eh, I'm falling asleep. They like it. You do they a lot of it. shit. We do a lot of shit. Yeah, but I, I like it. I'd rather I'd rather have too much work than not enough work. That's always that's always better. Whenever you don't have enough, you make sure you let me know. I don't have enough. <laughs> oh, guess who I talked to today? I'll drop this one on you on the podcast. Robert Hardcore Holly. Oh, yeah. How's he doing? He's doing good. Yeah. Followed up on him about maybe writing for us. Yeah, yeah. That would be – his book was amazing. He he tells it like yeah. it is. So Yeah. Now, no deal has been – and I won't announce a deal or anything like that. But, I mean, I just spoke to him a little bit. And I remember I read his book, and I was like, you know what? That's a good book. Yeah, and, good. uh 
I was, I was like, you know, maybe that'd, that'd be kind of cool. How would you be able to announce a deal when you haven't even told me about money yet? Like, how could you announce a deal when I haven't even heard anything? I told you about money in January. I don't remember it. It's been too long. Yeah, I told you about – I had talked to Jack Swagger a few weeks ago. Yeah. Nothing yet, though. But he's, he's got a little bit of a limit on what he's allowed to do right now. Understood. Understood. So maybe, maybe not. I would like to add some more names to that pro series, but it's got to make sense, guys. It's, it's got to make dollars and cents. Holly could be a good one. Keep me posted on that one. Yeah. Guys, subscribe to us. YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, all that good stuff. Uh, Libsyn. That's, that's a good one. Leave us a thumbs up on YouTube. Head over to iTunes and leave us a nice review. That stuff really, really helps. I can't tell you how much it helps. And as Joe tells you guys, tell you guys every day, just tell a buddy. Say, tell one person, hey, I like that Fightful.com. I like their podcast, especially that Wednesday one. Except when Jimmy tries to bury Sean on the air. <laughs> uh, but I do so lovingly and affectionately. Ah, sure, sure. <laughs> Guys, I am back tomorrow, I'm pretty sure, with Matt Riddle. No Shane Helms podcast this week for obvious reasons. Uh, it was going to be tough even despite the Rosie thing. Uh, and, of course, our condolences go out to Rosie's family. Shane took that pretty hard. Obviously, a great friend to him. But he's he's in Orlando anyway. It was going to be tough for us to make that work. So Friday, what we have is the J.J. Dillon podcast, which is a bit of a retro show. We talk about him transitioning from WWF to WCW in the middle of the Monday Night Wars. Had a lot of fun talking about that. Hopefully we can get another one, but hey, that's one hell of a replacement to have when Shane's not around, Jimmy. Absolutely. I, I told you I talked to JJ, JJ to set up this uh, this podcast thing. We must have talked for two hours on the phone. Yeah. And uh, he has a lot of stories to tell, so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Till next time, guys. We're out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.